Today, we do want to honor our heroes. We've talked about law enforcement. There's those that serve our nation and protect us in the armed services. There's amazing people that make our country what it is. But today, I want to talk to you about, I believe, probably one of the most important heroes that is seldom ever acknowledged. Sometimes you hear complaints about them, but you seldom hear them honored and receiving the accolades they deserve. Do you know who I'm talking about? Say it loud. Fathers. Come on, say it with me on the count of three. One, two, three. Any male can make a child, but it takes a real man to be a father. You may be a male by birth, but you become a man by choice. I've discovered in over 35 years of being a father, either you sacrifice for your children or you sacrifice your children. I remember walking through the airport in Houston and seeing one of my relatives, one of my, not actually relatives, but a Mexican, fellow Mexican. And he was shining shoes. So at that time, I wasn't sponsored by Adidas, so I had actual shoes. Okay, that's a joke. And, and so I, I sat up, and I'm getting my shoes shined, and so I always like to hear people's story so that I can share my testimony with them. And so I listened to this man tell me his story. He walked over from Mexico, got a job shining shoes, but his greatest pride that is while he was shining shoes, he was supporting his daughter that was at the University of Houston that was one day going to be a physician. You either sacrifice for your children or you sacrifice your children. For many of us, the role of father in our life was not played by our biological father, but an uncle or a priest or a pastor or a teacher or a coach or maybe your best friend's dad. A year ago, I was, I was at uh, the city club working out and uh, I know y'all can tell I'm as swole as I am. I do that very often. Come on, it's Father's Day. Where's the love? And, and, and a, a young man walked over to me that I've known most of his life, and he's in his 30s, and he said, hey, hey, Pastor Jacob, how you doing? I said, fine. He said, you know, I was Jacob Jr.'s best friend since first grade. I said, well, of course I know that. And he said, well, I want to tell you something I never told you. I said, Okay. He said, you remember when my parents got divorced in fifth grade? I said, well, of course I do. He said, I've always looked at you as my daddy ever since then. I just never told you. And then he said, um, I need to tell you something else. I said, okay. He said, my mom just found out last week, she went to MD Anderson that she has stage four cancer and they've given her less than a month to live. And I asked her, I said, mom, what do you want? She said, my one wish is I want Pastor Jacob to preach my funeral. So he said, would you do that? I said, well, of course I would. Let's go see her. He said, when? I said, now. He said, with our workout clothes on? I said, this is your mother. Let's go now. So we went over to his house from the city club and I knelt down next to her bed and she actually told me everything she once said at her funeral. So when I preached her funeral, the First Baptist Church, where I preached it here in Lafayette, all I did was repeat what she said. And by the way, 75 people gave their life to Christ at the end of that funeral based upon her and what she shared about what Christ meant to her. 
Many of you have had that kind of experience where somebody else stepped into that role. It certainly was my experience, as many of you know, and as some of you are going to hear about today. But today we want to celebrate every single male, every man, every father that has stepped into the role You had children and you stayed there with them, or maybe you stepped in when somebody couldn't stay or somebody else wouldn't stay as an older brother, a father, an uncle, or a grandfather to receive that cherished title, father, dad, pops, poppy, or in my case, el macho muchacho. (laughs) Dads are kind of like cars. Some are bigger, some are smaller. Some are faster, some are slower. Some are richer, some are poorer. But how many of you are old school enough to remember when somebody asked you how you were going to get there and you said, I'm hoofing it? How many remember that, hoofing it? What did that mean? You were were walking. But how many remember when you got your first car? Your first car is kind of like your daddy. Okay, whoever played that role. He might not be the biggest, the fastest, the richest, but thank God you had one. And so today, we want to thank God by honoring fathers. Why do we want to do that? We want to do that because we believe that the greatest fight left in our nation is the fight for fatherhood. Apparently, it's pretty difficult. Let me give you the statistics. Between 2014 and 2018, this is what happened to those who did not have a father figure in their home. Four times more likely to be in poverty, more likely to have behavioral problems, twice as likely to die at birth, more likely to go to prison, more likely to commit crimes, seven times more likely to become pregnant as a teenager, more likely to face abuse and neglect, more likely to experience drug and alcohol, twice as likely to become obese, and twice as likely to drop out of high school. 75% of African-American homes are headed up by a single parent. 60% of Hispanic homes are headed up by a single parent. And both of us who come from those cultures know primarily that is mama. Not always, but primarily. And 40% of white homes. And when you take these statistics and you add them up, it means that about one-third of all children never have the experience of seeing a male embrace that role as the leader and the father of their life to help give them a model, especially if you're a young man, of what to do and what to be. Today, I wanna talk to you about the fight for fatherhood and fighting to honor the men that embrace that role. It's called becoming a UFC man. The Roman gladiators were the first UFC cage fighters. They would prove their manhood and masculinity by who they'd conquered or who they'd killed. Imagine that. Imagine the value of your life being proven by what you destroyed instead of what you built, who you killed instead of who and what you lived for. At that time in Rome, there could be four headlines that described Rome. It was oversexed. It was overtaxed. It was overentertained. It was overviolent. Heroes were destroyers. They were heroes because of their brute strength, but morally they were wimps. Manhood was defined by what they had, who they conquered, and how physically strong they were. Does that sound familiar? Man was created by God to be the giver and the protector, not the taker and the destroyer. 
Here's the first commandment God gave man in Genesis chapter 2, verse 15. Let's read it together. Then the Lord God took man and he put him in the Garden of Eden to, to what? Tend and, and keep. Let me translate that. What was man created to do? To tend and to keep. That means to love and to protect. It means to love others and put them before yourself. Who better to find out what a real man is than a man who for years has been the model and mantra? As a matter of fact, at every funeral, his words have comforted you that you've ever been to in your lifetime. He rose to fame as a teenager out of obscurity. He was born out of an immoral relationship. He wrote these verses, in sin and in iniquity did my mother conceive me. At 14 years old, David slayed Goliath, the giant that nobody in his country or his family was willing to face. He rose to prominence. Within the next 10 years, he would become the youngest king, one of them in history. He had many ups and downs in his life, but now he's at the end of his life. He didn't live a perfect life, but he refused to quit following God even through his imperfection. How many of you are grateful that the church and the kingdom of God is not a place for perfection, but a place for people that love a perfect God and won't stop loving him even when they fail and stumble? So imagine this story. David is at the end of his life and he is about to pass his mantle on to be the king. Watch this. To a young man who was born out of an immoral relationship himself. Solomon. Those of you who know the story, David committed adultery, committed adultery with Bathsheba, Solomon's mother, and the first child from that relationship died. And David repented and asked God to forgive him. And the second child born was named Solomon. He became known previous to Jesus as the wisest man that ever lived. So here you have the final dying words of a daddy who was born out of an immoral relationship, now leaving the kingdom to a son who was born out of one. And he tells him these things on what it is to be a man. The girls, how many of you here are single? Raise your hand if you're single. Listen, girls, you better raise your hand. This is church. He might be here. Okay. This is a picture of what you need to look for when you're looking for a man. This is the picture. If you want to know what God calls a man, I'm about to show it to you. David on his deathbed, this giant killer who lived the duration of his life, Jesus is ultimately going to be called the descendant of his. Jesus was called when he walked on earth. Jesus, thou son of David, descendant of David. And he's going to give him five things that constitute manhood. And listen to what he says in 1 Kings chapter 2, verse 1 through 3. Now the days of David drew near that he should die. And he charged Solomon, his son, saying, I go the way of all the earth. Now be strong and prove yourself to be a man and keep charge of the Lord your God to walk in his ways, to keep his statutes, his commandments, his judgments, and his testimonies as it is written in the law of Moses that you may, what? prosper in all that you do and wherever you turn. David prepares his son Solomon and he gives him five things that he's learned being raised up as an immoral boy out of obscurity as a shepherd boy to being a king of Israel and bringing and ushering in the greatest era 
of the children of Israel and the kingdom ever. First Kings, he says this. He says five things. He begins by saying, I go the way of all the earth. Say that with me. I go the way of what is he saying to his son who's young, good-looking, wise, and rich? What's he saying to him? You're going to die one day. But where I am, you're going to be. Why is that so important? Well, let me, let me ask you. How many of you here are, let's say, 40 and older? That's the wise people. How many of you are 50 and older? That's the very wise people. How many of you are 60 and older? We're the geniuses. Okay. How many of you are 30 and younger? Raise your hand. Shut up. You don't know anything yet. Just, we're just joking, kind of. Not really. You know what you believe when you're young? You don't realize, this is number one, that life is a temporary assignment with eternal consequences. Life is a temporary assignment with eternal consequences. You remember when you were young? How many of you remember when you were young and good looking? Come on now. How many of you remember before it went from here to here and it went from here to the floor? Okay. You, you remember when, when you just thought, I'm going to live forever? Come on. I'm going to live forever. Remember that? Remember when you thought you were just bulletproof? How many of you thought you were just, I'm bulletproof? I'm all that and a bag of chips with some swag. I mean, we, we actually believe that. Here's another thing we believe. I'm making choices that will only affect me. And I'll outrun the consequences of the bad choices. Look right here. You can choose your sin, but you don't get to choose the consequences. You can choose your sin, but you don't get to choose who you don't hurt. I can't tell you how many people I've sat across from when they were getting ready to make a foolish decision. And you go, they're going, I'm doing this, but, but I don't want to hurt that person. And I look at them and go, hey, you can choose your sin, but you can't choose your consequences. You can't choose who you don't hurt when you do the wrong thing. He said, son, I want you to remember, there are people that are going to follow you just like when I was a young boy, just like when I fell with Bathsheba, I didn't realize one day you would follow me. You would follow me. One of the things you never realize when you're young is that you're a role model. How many of you are old enough to remember when Charles Barkley was skinnier and played basketball and wasn't just an overweight commentator? Do, do you remember the, the, the controversy? How many of you remember it in the 80s, early 90s, where he said, somebody said, look at the kind of role model you are. And he said, I'm not a role model. He was wrong. Everybody's a role model. There's just one question. Are you a good one? Or are you a bad one? One day we will all die. Let me give you some statistics they might have shared with you at Abbeville High School. One out of every one of you will die. We'll all go the way of all the earth. Here's the second thing he says to him. Be strong and prove yourself what? A man. What is he saying? You prove your manhood, son, by obedience to God. You prove your manhood by obedience to God's word. You prove your manhood by honoring 
You prove your manhood by turning away from your flesh when you're tempted. You prove your manhood by not listening to bad friends in moments of weakness. You prove your manhood by not allowing your failures to define you for the rest of your life. Real manhood is putting God and the people you love first and putting yourself last. That's what a real man is. You may clap now. Let me say something right there. Temptation in the world grows greater. When I was a kid, if I was to liken it, I would have said it was a stereo about this tone. But now it screams everywhere. It does. Before, if you wanted evil, you had to pursue it. Now evil pursues you. Those of you that are younger, 60 or 70% of the young people in our generation have been exposed to pornography. Do you realize that when your daddy and I were kids, if you wanted to look at porn, you had to go into a store like the Circle K. And behind the Circle K, there was a brown bag. And it covered all the bad magazines. And if you wanted one of them, you had to go in and go, make sure nobody was looking. You had to be of age and go, I'd like to buy a Playboy. And then the red-faced cashier would reach back, make sure nobody was looking, grab it, put it in a bag, and hand it to you. Now, it pursues you everywhere you go. It takes strength and courage to be a man of God and to follow. You prove your manhood by obedience to God. It takes courage to walk with God and to stay on this path. It takes a lot of courage. It takes a lot of courage. And that's why we want to celebrate every man that has. There's no little blue pill. There's no steroid that you can take that will accidentally give you courage to be a man. You got to go on the road less traveled. You have to follow the cross of Jesus Christ. You have to follow the path that the Savior followed. And you must follow the path of self-denial. so that you give a heritage to your children so they can follow. Here's the next thing he says. Number four, keep his statutes, judgments, and testimonies. What is he saying? Son, I don't want you to forget what God did for me. I want you to remember how God took your daddy from being a little shepherd boy that was a nobody, born out of an immoral relationship, and now he lifted me up. Don't ever forget those testimonies of what God did for me. It will remind you of what God can do for you. What is he saying? I don't have to relive my mistakes. What is he saying? I don't have to build on them. I can build around them. And when I fail, I can fail forward. I can learn something every time that I fail. I, I wish I could go back and parent again. How many of you have older children wish you could go back and do some things different? Raise your hand. Let me just ask, how many of you would beat them more than you did? Come on, raise your hand. Yeah, yeah, I, uh, that, that's not what I'm talking about. I, I, I'll say this. For me, for my first two children, for my first two children, if I could go back, now the rest of them, they got the benefit of all that. My home was only a place to succeed. It wasn't a place to fail. In a healthy home, you should be able to succeed and you should be able to fail too and still be loved both the same way.
today. I wish that I could go back and redo that. That is exactly part of what he is saying to him. That's part of what he's saying to him. And the last thing he says is that you may prosper in all that you do wherever you turn. Listen to me. It is hard to do the right thing, but it's rewarding to live with the consequences. I'm going to say that again. It is hard to do the right thing sometimes. But it sure is rewarding. It sure is rewarding. I, I remember looking at a couple, very prominent couple, and they were, they were going to get divorced. And, and, and I remember the wife looking at me and she said, I deserve to be happy. Don't you think I deserve to be happy, Pastor Jacob? And I looked at her and said, yes, but don't you think your children deserve to be happy too? It takes incredible courage as a man. So every man that's here, I don't care if you went through another marriage before this. I don't care if you made mistakes, but you went ahead and stayed. Thank God that you stayed. Thank God that you embraced that role. And thank God that you did not quit. We celebrate you today. Here's the last thing he wanted him to know. What God blessed in me, son, he'll bless in you. God won't bless you because of me, but if you follow God like I did, he'll follow you and bless you the way he blessed me. You know what? There's no more Indians attacking your house. They're all at the casinos now. Don't get mad, Pastor Eugene's Indian. All right. There's no more Ghostbusters. We killed them in the Ghostbuster movie in the 80s. There's no more aliens. We've been to the moon. They're not there. For every man here, whether you're single, whether you're a teenager, or whether you're a grandpa, the fight is to take the truths of this book and to transmit them to another generation so that we can say what David did to our children at the end of our life. Be strong and prove yourself to be a man. My God will be your God. He will keep you. His promises will hold you and he will be your God as he was mine if you follow him as I did. That's what it is to be a man. A real man's life is filled with commitment. Remember when a handshake was all you needed, not a contract? Remember when a man's word was his word? Remember when somebody told you to be there at 8 o'clock, you were there at 7.55, or maybe if you had my daddy, you were there at 6.55? Because a man was a man, was a man. If he told you he was going to do something, he did exactly what he said. It was commitment. A real man's life is filled with constraint. Do you know that your manhood's proven by what you put away? Paul said, when I was a child, I spoke as a child. I understood as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. Too many men grow old but never grow up. Is there anything worse than walking through La Fonda's and seeing somebody in their late whatever's with hair implant and hair dyed and big old nest right here with the cross embedded up in their chest 
still trying to get the affirmation they never got when they were 15 years old from their daddy. You say, Pastor, you, you, you don't know how I grew up. Look at me. It's not about how you grew up. It's about how you grow up now. Your kids are counting on you growing up now. If you hated the wounds you got, why in the name of heaven would you pass it on to them? Why would you pass it on to them? It's filled with control. The greatest form of discipline there is is self-discipline. It's self-discipline. It's filled with contentment. Contentment. You, you, you ever heard this verse? Men, live with the wife of your youth. You know why God allows your eyes to get worse as you grow older? He's trying to save you from temptation. You know why it's called the wife of your youth? Because God wants you to remember what she looked like when he gave her to you before she ended up living with you. Before she got stretch marks from getting your kid's last name. Before her, she got varicose veins from kneeling down, praying for you and for them. Look at me. I kind of decided what the difference is between good and great. Can I tell you what it is? Come on, it's Father's Day. Just indulge me. My birthday. You missed it, okay, this week. Just indulge me a minute. You know, today in the information age, everything's awesome. Or remember that when we were growing up, everything was cool. Man, that's cool. That's cool. Then it became hot. That's hot. That's hot. Okay. Now it's fire. It went from cool to hot to fire. That's fire. That's fire. I walked out with some air boots on and my kids said, man, dad, those are fire. I'm like, where? Where's the fire? No, those are fire. That's fire. I didn't even know what fire was. When I was a kid, it was wild. It was heavy. It was awesome. And I think of all the things that we look at. Ooh, look at that post. That's awesome. Ooh, wow, that's fire. That's. And I come to the conclusion that a lot of people can be well-known and not be well-liked. You know who Madonna is? Would you like for her to be your mama? You can be well-known and not be well-liked, and often we confuse the two. And so let me define what great is and what good is. Good is being great for a short time. But great is being good for a long, 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 long time. Can I tell you who's great? Madonna was good. Bruce Springsteen was good. Born in the U.S. Come on, all those people were good. But can I tell you who's great? Mama. You can walk in there and they can hug you and it reminds you, transports you back to when you were seven years old. They never change. They're consistent. They're always there. You can always count on them. You can always count on them. That's great. How many of you saw the movie Saving Private Ryan? At the end of the movie, Saving Private Ryan, he's standing there looking at all the tombstones of the people that died trying to save him. And he looks at his wife 
is an old man and says, tell me I'm a good man. Just tell me I'm a good man. Ladies, listen carefully. Let me give you the secret to every man that you know, whether he's your little boy that's going to grow up or whether he's your husband you've been married to for 50 years. All we want to know is that we're a good man. Just a good man. So today, I want to show you the man that, that, that was a father to me. He was not my daddy, but he raised me from the time I was 14 years old like his own son. You are to see the Olin Mills pictures. You got this blonde-headed little boy with blue eyes. His name is Kyle. You have their daughter who was first runner-up in Miss Teen USA when she was 16 years old. You have his wife and him. He is Lily Honky Cracker White. And then you have me, a Mexican skinny kid with hair down to here. And they would go, this is the family. Olin Mills probably went through inner healing trying to figure that out. I, I want to show you his picture. That's him with my boys. He showed me how to be a husband and a father and a man. He told me that I didn't have to be like my earthly dad, but that God was a father to the fatherless and that God put the lonely in families. Maybe it was a grandfather for you. Maybe you're your grandfather's little girl. Can I tell you what to do? Look right here, Mama. How many of you have that person? You know who I'm talking about. That person that's been the father in your life. Come on, raise your hand. Maybe it's your early father. How many of you know who that is? Raise your hand. Come on. How many of you, they're still alive? Okay. Can I tell you what to do today? I'm going to tell you the greatest present to give them. How many of you know that the, 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 the more the smaller the bottle gets of perfume, the more expensive it is? So when your wife says, get me some de so you walk back there and go, yeah, I'd like some de Bajer. You don't even know what it is. You just heard, okay. And they go, okay, here it is. And they bring out this little bottle and you pull out a 20 and they go, that'll be $300. And you go, so what? $300. I mean, isn't there a bigger bottle? No. When you put this on, it stays with you all day long. Let me give you a secret from the other side of 60. Okay. The memories of life shrink down to little bottles like that. And when you talk to that person who's been a father to you, would you remind him of one of them? Would you just open up that bottle and say, thank you. I remember daddy when you did this. Papa, I remember when you did this. I, I, I'll never forget the day I was supposed to get a spanking, but remember you came and you picked me up from the house and my mama forgot. I, I, I remember. Remember, call that person. Go see them. Remind them. Remind them of those moments. Because when you get past 60, that's all that really matters. Those moments. And you cherish every single one of them. You do. I, uh, I've asked the Lord to give me one wish when I die. Would y'all like to know what it is? So I'm assuming y'all are going to be attending my funeral. 
I'm going to be up here in a jersey that's going to be half LSU and half Saints. Okay, all respect to Cajun fans, I'm going down with the Saints in an LSU jersey. Okay, y'all can put red socks on me, but I'm wearing, okay, I was the chaplain for both of them, so I, that, that should be fair. All, all love to, to, to the Cajuns. So I'm going to have that on. And then I'm going to, I'm going to have, I'm going to, my hands are going to be folded like this up front. So I want y'all to know what I'm going to look, and I'm going to have like a Bible right here. And it'll say like, Pastor Jacob, this is my Bible. So you know how when you have a funeral, they have the hour before that's just for the family, the immediate family. So, so my children are all going to be like right around the front. Okay. They're going to be like, St. Jersey, LSU Jersey. And they're going to probably say something like, Daddy, I never told you how much I appreciated all the sacrifices. And, I never, and they'll start saying stuff, okay, that they meant to say. And this is, this is what I've asked the Lord. While they're there, I just want to open up my eyes and slap the heck out of all of them and then just go back just like this. And them go, y'all, y'all, y'all got it. And I'm going to be there just dead as I could be. Just. Okay, so by the time y'all come back, I'll just. Look at me. If they're alive, don't wait till they're gone. Gratitude that's unspoken is ingratitude. Thankfulness that is unspoken. And sadly, we take for granted the people who are the most important people in our lives until they're gone. Today, daddies, thank you. Stepdads that stepped in when somebody else stepped out, Dads that are away from your children that you've reached out to them or they've reached out to you today. Thank you. Thank you. You've received a title that only we and God have. Father. And that's because even as imperfect as we are, we're to be a reflection of him. Would you bow your head with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the power of your Holy Spirit. We thank you for your supernatural grace and strength. We thank you, Father, as a father. I, along with the other men that are here that have either been that to their own children or to somebody else's, know that at our best, we're imperfect. But I thank you that, Lord, you still have shown yourself through every one of us in small glimpses. Thank you for that. For every father that's trying to be to his own children what he never had himself. Bless them. Strengthen them. Reward them. We honor them.